Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Amen, and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. This is episode 15, and we are going to be talking about the power of God. If there's anything that we've talked about on this podcast, it's that there is power available to you and me today through the Holy Spirit. So I believe if you're here, then you believe that God is real. And where there is God, there is power, because God is power. And for this reason, this is why all things are possible with God. Apart from God, nothing is possible because we must have power for all things to be possible. And as long as we are in the flesh, we are unable to be successful in all things unless God lives in us. Wherever he is, and by he I mean God, there is power And godliness is the result of having God, right? God is power. So godliness is power. So I'm going to read in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 1. And it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. So having a form of godliness but denying its power. So many will have a form of godliness, but they will be unable to be aware and claim its power because it is not godliness from God. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. So who wrote this? Paul wrote this and he speaks of lovers of pleasure. What do we mean by lovers of pleasure? Lovers of self, lovers of anything that brings them joy, even outside of the word of God. For if the word of God brought them joy, they would be obedient to God. But these people in the last days, in these perilous times, they are going to be seeking anything to bring them joy, whether God agrees with it or not. And in uh, chapter 3, verse 6, it says, this behavior will creep in and capture gullible women. What do we mean by gullible women? Easy women. These are. Uh, this example is to illustrate how those will be led away by various lusts so easily. And as Christians, we don't seek 
to have this happen and we don't seek to please others and to to gather friends right we were not easy our friendship is not easy right we are very selective because we are set apart from this world so we want to surround ourselves by those who are encouraging us and empowering us to serve the lord amen as we ought to as brothers and sisters in christ because remember god brings a sword Right, and Paul warns us to turn away from those who cannot decide, who cannot make up their minds because they're double minded, which is of the devil, speaking two languages, right? Lying. We've learned about this on this podcast, right? And we want to be one minded in unity with Christ, amen. And in chapter 3, verse 7, which we just read, it says, Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is, when I read this, it's very obvious, but always learning and never able to come to the truth. When we apply that to today, we can interpret this as double-minded people are always learning in church, but unable to come to the truth. They cannot understand. Always learning in church, cannot understand, not progressing in the Lord. Double-minded people have an entire Christian career, if you will, sitting in a pew, always learning, never implementing change. Why? Because they are double-minded. They have refused to make up their mind, lovers of pleasure, seeking anything to bring them joy, even if it means that God doesn't agree with it. So power is the measurement of a force and how far it moves, just like growth. Right? I can move an object from point A to point B and I can measure that. Right? I can measure that force. I can measure that power. If I hit something harder, it's going to move farther. Right? So growth is measurable. In the Bible, God instructed the blind to mix mud, to put on their eyes, and through their obedience, they saw the power of God. Right? So the result of obedience to God was to see this power. And specifically, I'm referring to when a man was born blind and received his sight. John chapter 9, I'll start in verse 1, and it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So before we go on, this is not the topic of tonight, but the disciples were educated and they were with Jesus. So they knew because of this man and his condition, right? He's born blind. Either he sinned or his parents sinned and that iniquity has fallen on this man. So let us take note of that and we can talk about that another time. But they said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated to scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors of those who previously had seen that he was blind said, It's not this he who sat blind? Is not this he who sat and begged? Verse 9, some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. And he said, I am he. 
Verse 10, therefore they said to him, how are your eyes opened? Verse 11, he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Amen. So because this man was obedient and he listened to the Lord for uh, his calling, right? The will of the Lord was to use this man uh, to perform a miracle. Amen. To show the power of God. And he received sight. This is an example of the power of God. And when we believe in God, we can also believe in this power. Amen. But know today that you can be a believer in God, but not be free. We've learned about the Hebrews before. Uh, this is in the Old Testament, right? Um, living in Egypt, right? They worshiped God, but they were limited by the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh made it very difficult for the Hebrews to serve God. Very similar to how Satan wants to make our lives difficult to kill, steal, and destroy everything in our lives, every ounce of progress that we make for Jesus Christ. Satan wants to destroy it to bring confusion, to distract us, right? Satan will even distract us with good things as long as it is not the will of God. Amen. And the Pharaoh made it very difficult for the Hebrews to serve God. So in Exodus chapter 5 verse 7, it says, You shall no longer give the people straw. This is the Pharaoh speaking. You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry out saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Verse 9, Let more work be laid on the men that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. So Pharaoh here is making the Hebrews collect their own materials, adding this additional work, which is a lot of work, but not reducing the final product quota. So here, now Hebrews, you must seek for your own straw, but you are required to make the same amount of brick for me, right? Anything to prevent them crying out to the Lord. We also read in Exodus, that it says here, but the more that they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, right? The more the Pharaoh afflicted the Hebrews, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, right? Obeying the commandments of the Pharaoh. So they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Also in Exodus, we learn that God sends Moses. And God says to Moses in verse 16, And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness but indeed until now you will not hear moses said that to the pharaoh right now keep in mind moses was just a shepherd right he tells the lord are you sure are you sure me because i'm very slow to speak right moses when he talked he sounded uneducated which is why the lord allows aaron to be his spokesman but still moses was obedient to the Lord, he had courage and boldness because he was serving God, right? There was a power accompanied with Moses to stand in front of Pharaoh, right? And eventually we know how this ends, right? The Pharaoh lets the people go. Amen. Don't you want to serve God how Moses served God? Don't you want to be obedient how Moses was obedient? You know, in John 6, 26, 
It says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Do not labor for the food that perishes. So what do you labor for? What do I labor for? Right? We must be always prepared and be about his kingdom business because the Lord also says there is a time for everything, so be prepared. And we can read about this in Ecclesiastes as it discusses that everything has its time. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, to mourn and to dance, to cast away stones, gather stones, embrace, refrain from embracing, gain, lose, keep, throw away, tear, sow, silence, speak. Love, hate, there's a time of war and a time of peace. So truly there is a time for everything. And there is a time to labor, right? A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, right? Which is also a form of labor. We want to always be doing what God wants us to do because we're crucified with Christ. And Paul said this in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So as a reminder, you and I ought to also be proud to say that we are crucified with Christ, no longer living our own lives, seeking pleasure, Right? Not laboring for the food that perishes. We live a life for God. And we live by faith of the Son of God today who loved us and who gave himself for us, for me, for you. He died for us so that we may have a way to salvation and eternity with him. We also learn about laboring and prospering with the Lord in Psalms 127. And it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who built it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And I want to ask you, who builds your house? And I even say that in a mirror every morning. Madison, who builds your house? Because it is so clear here that unless the Lord builds our house, Whoever built it, built it in vain. It doesn't matter. It is a weak structure. It is not the Lord's. It does not have a solid foundation, right? So we want to make sure that we work for the Lord because we want to prosper with the Lord. Amen. So who builds your house? Who do you live for? What are you working for? Surely God knows our works. He can see what we're laboring after. And today, can you imagine living in Egypt? Just as the Hebrews were living under the Pharaoh, wanting to serve God, but the Pharaoh is pulling them in all different directions, right? Um, commanding rigorous work, making it difficult for them, literally making it harder for them to serve Jesus Christ. Can you imagine working in Egypt today under those conditions? Many today are believers of God. They believe that God is real, but they still live in Egypt. What do I mean by that? They have remained in a spot 
where so many people make it difficult and they pose these limitations on them to serve God, yet these people don't take any action to be set free, right? They are people pleasers. In some cases, they don't even realize that they're in Egypt. We cannot serve God the way he wants us to if we stay in Egypt. Be set free. If there's anything you take away from this podcast tonight is be set free. It is your choice. It is your choice. Be proud to tell the world that you live outside of Egypt, that you live without limitations of man. We want to claim and live a life where it is obvious that we have godliness and the power within us is the power of God that we need, that we need to keep laboring, that we need to overcome the enemy and his attacks, that we need to witness to others, right? This great power that God has made available for you and for me today is available and it is not going to be available forever. There is a time when the Holy Spirit will leave this earth. He will no longer restrain the coming of the Antichrist. And it is very important that you and I really evaluate our hearts and humble ourselves before the Lord and repent so that we're sure that our soul is destined for eternity with Jesus Christ. Amen? It's critical today that we evaluate where we're living. And if we're in Egypt, we need to set ourselves free. And I want to leave you with this. Pastors today... They want to keep the people in Egypt. They want to keep limitations on people. They want to withhold teachings, anything to increase attendance because the church nowadays, especially in the United States, is being looked at as a business. Anything to keep the people here, anything to keep their tithes in my basket. Sugarcoating teachings, providing false words, truly these are the false prophets. And I pray that the Lord reveals these false teachers. Are you living in Egypt today? Thank you. God bless you all.